from Forward Direction LLC, it's the You Should Listen podcast, a show that intersects sports, business, fashion, and hip-hop culture. We draw on experiences from influential people who have carved out a name in their respective creative space. We hope you pick up a few gems along the way. Thanks for tuning in. As a kid, I never liked staying in the lines when I was told to color in art class. I was hard-headed and wanted to do my own thing. Needless to say, I was certainly no Basquiat. Today I chat with a good friend that is off to a meteoric rise with his artwork. Dugan and I go back a few years. He actually is the mastermind behind my sleeves, which I always thank him for, and hopes that he will go back to tattooing. But today's conversation, we talk about his creative vision behind painting colorful artwork and where he literally draws his inspiration from. We also get his take on the future state of art and how to build your brand naturally. Enjoy. Yo, Duga, I need this Tupac piece. Um, I need the biggest picture you can paint, <laughs> and I need it by noon tomorrow. You got me? Uh, yeah, you know I got you. Oh, man, that, that's what I like <laughs> 10, to hear. 10K, 10K, I got you. Oh, man, I'm having a bad connection. The phone's breaking up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, I have the one and only Duga, the best artist that I actually follow on the gram. Um, that's no cap. I'm gonna let him respect. Him. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, I'm going to let him introduce himself. All right, uh, it's Duga. Um, a lot of people know me by Duga or Duga Art. Uh, my real name is Dwayne, but uh, I've been going by Duga way before I even started doing the painting thing. So it's kind of what I stuck with as far as my artist name goes. So, yeah, Duga Art. Nice. And where are you originally from? I know we met um, back in Charlotte, uh, I want to say about five or six years ago. Um, we were both living there at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I lived a lot, uh, a lot of my years in Charlotte. I went to college in charlotte but um i guess i could i'm originally from south korea actually i was born in korea but i moved to the united states when i was around like four years old and uh i grew up in winston-salem north carolina so like an hour hour from charlotte north carolina and um yeah that's where i went to you know high school and everything and then when i graduated that's when i moved to charlotte okay nice um kind of want to want you to talk about your background a little bit i didn't even realize that you were from um south korea do you have any memories of that or are your earliest memories from the states or kind of speak to that i do i do have some memories of it when i was a kid but i was young when i moved but so um not too much but i do you know i have a lot of photos so i kind of remember like you know a lot of the memories come through the photos that i have but uh, yeah i was i was my dad was in the army and um that's where he met my mother there and they had a relationship so he stayed in korea afterwards for a little while and that's when we me and my sister was born there and then when he moved back to the states we ended up moving back here so that's how i got back to the united states so yeah it's been um that's that's kind of how it happened and then and i, I lived in winston like i said and that's kind of where i split apart from like the korean side because my mother stayed in korea while i stayed um, well, we stayed in the uh, United States, so I kind of stuck to my, my black roots more so than my Korean side. So, like, I don't know about that culture as much, but, um, yeah, that's kind of how it went. Gotcha. That's cool. Yeah, I wanted you to uh, elaborate on your upbringing as a child. Were you always into art, or where did you get your, your taste in, in design and, and creating different um, visual um, masterpieces, for lack of better words? Yeah, um, I've always been into art since I was since I can remember. I remember my uh parents used to tell me that I used to draw on um on the walls like anywhere I could. Like if I found crayons and markers, I would draw wherever. So I think even from a little kid I was doing it. I remember matter of fact in uh elementary school in kindergarten, I used to draw uh that's back when UNC Tar Heels, the uh college was my favorite uh basketball team. So I would draw their logo like every day, even like in elementary school on a piece of paper. And I'll take it on the bus with me and I would sell them for 25 cent, 25 oh, cent wow. a piece <laughs> on the bus. And this was like kindergarten, first grade type stuff. So like I was super young hustling wow. then, you know, drawing. So I didn't, I didn't think it would, you know, I never thought art would take me where it's at now. I always just knew I loved it, but I never got serious with uh, painting until like a few years ago. Yeah, that's 
That's dope. I didn't realize that. It sounded like you were definitely on your grind um, as a youngin, uh, out there <laughs> sling, slinging those uh, Tar Heel picks, even though I'm a dude. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so I know you mentioned Winston-Salem. Shout out to my 336 um, listeners. Did you go yep. to school? Yeah, did you go to school, you said, in Winston? Yeah, yeah, I went to um, Carver High School. Okay. Yeah, cool. um, Carver was really known back then for, like, football and uh, sports more so than anything else. You know, you had big rivalries with schools from there, Greensboro. You know, like, you had West. That's where uh, Chris Paul went. Okay. I was in school during the same time. He was leaving high school. Chris Paul was um, going to West Forsyth and a lot of other notable players that actually um, I was around during that time. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, uh, one of my college um, teammates actually went to, I think, West Forsyth. Shout out to Isaac Rose if you're listening, because I know he used to always talk about playing with Chris Paul. So that's a small world. Yeah, yeah, that's that's crazy. Um, I was playing uh, – he was in varsity, of course. Of course he was in varsity. I mean, he was like the best player in the city. (laughs) <laughs> um, I was playing JV basketball, so I never got a chance to play against him, but I missed it by a year. Gotcha. Yeah, he was nice. You, you, you might have uh, dodged missing that straight bullet because Chris Paul was in the <laughs> <of> high school. <laughs> Man, he used to kill. I remember the um, when his uh, grandfather passed away, uh, he had put up the same amount of points his grandfather's age was and then sat himself down on the bench. He was like 60-something points in like three quarters. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, that was dope. So um, if you can remember, I guess, back that long ago, when you were finishing school, what did you kind of want to get into um, after you finished uh, high school? Did you have an idea like, okay, I want to go into business. I want to be an artist. I want to open my own restaurant. What was your mindset? I had no clue what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to go to college. So that's why I went to UNC Charlotte. And that's when I moved to Charlotte. But even when I got to college, I had no clue what I was doing. For my first, like, two to two and a half, almost three years in school, I didn't even pick a major because I was um, just so unsure about what I wanted to do because I always knew, like, I wanted a job that was different, but I could never figure out what it was. And then I finally um, decided to do graphic design. So, like, my junior year, I got into a graphic design major and – um that's what I graduated with, a uh, Bachelor of Fine Arts in Graphic Design. And then I knew I wanted to be a graphic designer when I – well, I thought I knew <laughs> when I when I graduated. So uh, I graduated and got – first, I couldn't find a job. So it was I was struggling to find any work after I graduated. So I ended up working a whole different job as a manager at a hospital for their janitorial uh, department, which is totally left field from <laughs> – from what I graduated with, but I knew somebody that got me in the door. So I was doing that for a while, and then I finally got a graphic design job. And uh, I did that for a while, but I was in the corporate environment during that time, and I just wasn't feeling it. So that's kind of when I transitioned to the art. Nice. Yeah, I've always had um, mentors throughout my life, and they always say the best way to figure out what you want to do is by doing something that you know you don't want to do. So <laughs> that's, I think, that's a fact. Yeah, yeah, I think it sounds like even though I guess you were obviously earning uh, income as managing a janitorial staff, that was probably like, all right, like, what the hell am I actually doing here? This isn't what I went to school for. I don't care about this. I got to figure out how to, like, pursue what it is that, that I'm passionate about. Is, is that right? Yeah, I mean, that's that's 100%. I mean, Doing something that you hate will make you realize, you know, your purpose really in your life. I feel like that's what I went through. I went years of working jobs that I hated. I mean, I didn't want to get up in the morning. I didn't want to go in. So that really, I think, pushed me to start, you know, figuring out, yo, what do I need to do to make this transition and start, you know, either work for myself or just find a job that I actually, you know, can enjoy. So that I think in a way it helped me kind of grow as a person to do things like that because all those, you know, jobs that you hated are different things kind of make you who you are. Um, if you just go straight into what you love, you don't know really, you know, I, I, I've met hardly anybody who actually just their whole life, they knew exactly wanted what they wanted and got right into it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, d- I definitely agree. And I like to ask all my guests that are in a creative space that I guess, ultimately transition from corporate America. Did you have like a light bulb moment or an epiphany when you were like, 
okay, this is this shit isn't for me. I'm about to jump off the stoop and do my own thing. Like, what was your, I guess, like aha moment? Yeah, um, I definitely did. I, it was, I was working this job um, as a graphic designer, and I was just painting on the side at that point. And you know, my, I was when I first started, I was selling paintings for like super cheap. I wasn't really making a whole lot of profit off it or nothing like that. But it was one month where I just made like, you know, crazy amount of money, you know, more than I was making at my job doing the painting thing. And I'm like, yo, you know, I can actually take this kind of seriously. And that was like the first time I was like, you know what, I got to take this seriously and really push myself to do it. And that was the moment I knew I was like, I'm quitting this job in a few months and I'm done with it. I'm not going back to work. Nice, nice. Definitely sounds like you had it mapped out and, and a plan for when you left your, I guess, your comfort zone. What was the conversation like with your parents or your friends when you told them that you were going to branch out and do your own thing? Um, I really didn't have a conversation with my parents. They um, they always pretty much support what I do. They knew always like I was always um, a hard worker and like you know willing to go sacrifice and and hustle for mine. So I never. It never really was like, no, you should keep working. Um, my wife and I at the time talked about it, and she was a little hesitant of me not working, you know, a steady job, wondering where our income would come from. You know, we have a lot of bills, student loans. So she was a little more hesitant at first. And then once she realized, you know, the opportunity that was there, I think she started being, you know, understanding more. She was always supportive of it, though. So Yeah, that's dope. I definitely think it's – very uh significant or very positive that you have that support system that you can kind of have people to bounce ideas off of and have people in your corner that are championing your work um and obviously they can speak to your skill set as well but i really want to dig deep into this whole uh getting into your creative bag and, and the whole art now i know you from originally doing tattoos so can you i guess elaborate on that a little bit as well yeah, I started tattooing right at like probably towards the end of my uh before I graduated college. And really I was just trying to find a something to make money on the side cuz I was working and I was working, you know, like BS jobs making $10 an hour, you know. Mm-hmm. We're making no money. So, I started tattooing on the side cuz I was like, well, I can draw, maybe I can tattoo. So, I just ordered a tattoo kit offline like some random website and I never had experience with it before. And then, like, the same week, I tattooed myself for the first time with it. And I tattooed my leg to practice. And then uh, the first time I posted that picture, I mean, this was, like, literally, like, two weeks after I got the equipment. You know, I posted it on Facebook. And people started hitting me up, like, yo, I want a tattoo. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, I don't know what I'm doing. And they were like, yo, I trust you. you know? So I started just tattooing people. And then. It was it was it was horrible at first. I ain't even gonna lie to you. I feel bad for some of the first people I tattooed. But um I started doing that for a while and it kinda grew and I did it for a couple of years. And that's how I, me and you met actually, uh <laughs> through a tattoo I did for you. But you, yours was later on in my tattooing career when I got better. Uh so yeah, that's kinda how that started. But after a while I was I was doing it out my house and shit like that and it it wasn't really like the right way to go about it. So once I started doing the painting thing more, I, I decided I wanted to transition out of the tattooing. I miss it though. Uh, it's something that sometimes I wish I can go back to, but I'm not sure if I do it or not. Yeah. And he, he's being modest right now, ladies and gentlemen, he literally did both my sleeves on my arms and it's the best tattoos that I've ever paid for. I recommend him to so many of my friends. He's just, I mean, I, He's, he's too far removed right now to go back, but if he ever goes back, just know that I'm getting some some pieces on my back. <laughs> no, I appreciate that, man. I mean, it was a learning experience for sure. Just like when you do it on your own, it's totally different than like apprenticing under a tattoo artist. So if I did go back, that's what I would want to do it the right way. Apprentice under another artist and uh, learn from them the right techniques and everything. So I did it 100% right, but it was definitely an experience and I met so many people through it and I actually evolved as an artist through it because it made me, you know, draw more than I ever did. And uh, so it was a good experience. I definitely don't take away, though. Yeah, I think that that just speaks to your creative genius in general. Like, if I'm just sitting around the house and 
I'm like, all right, how am I going to make some income? The first idea would not be to purchase an ink set. Be like, all right, I'm going <laughs> to my leg and then reach out to my boys, post this picture on the gram, post this on Facebook and be like, yo, who's trying to shop with me? But I just think that that's dope that you even had that concept and, and that, that I guess, no fear just to be like, all right, I'm going to figure this out. Because you taught yourself how to do it, right? Yeah, yeah. I taught myself how to do it. And um, one of my friends, actually my friend, he bought a tattoo set too. He started doing it with me. And then my sister was actually, she had just started before me and she had bought a tattoo set and taught herself. So it was like, a, like we just always just kind of, you know, networking off each other and, and learning as we went. And um, she was doing that in Winston while I was doing that in Charlotte and it kind of just grew. So I don't, I don't know, like it, looking back, I always say like, yo, that shit was crazy that I actually even tattooed people. Like it still kind of blows my mind now <laughs> that I did that. You know, but it was a cool experience, though. Yeah. Um, and I guess, obviously, talking about the transition into the art space, obviously, you have years of experience in whether it's graphic design or actually drawing portraits or canvases. How did you make the transition from, OK, um, I'm doing tattoos to I'm no longer doing tattoos? Like, again, what was that light bulb moment where you're like, all right, this is I'm getting too many requests for this. I don't even feel like doing it. I don't feel like working out of my house. Like, what yeah, was that process like the main the main thing was um well actually it kind of the, the art thing kind of happened by accident a friend of mine the name is Chad he was always pushing me to start painting he was like yo there's a lot of people making money painting and at the time I was like I ain't never you know follow it so I didn't I was like dog I can't make no money off painting you know what I mean that's not really a, a a viable option so I I didn't think much of it but he kept forcing me like hey just just do a painting for me you know I'll pay you for it whatever so I did like one painting and then I posted it on my, you know, my Instagram and it actually got like several people hitting me up. Like, you know, I want a painting. I want a painting. So I was like, Oh, this is crazy. So I started painting a little more and I was selling them for like 50, $60 each, you know, super cheap. And, um, people was buying it and I was just shocked. So I started raising my prices up a little bit and I was still tattooing at the time, but then, I was like, you know, this is a way better option for me because with tattooing, I always have to have people come in. You know, you got to actually sit down with them and talk. Painting, I'm, I can sit, you know, by myself. And I'm not really worried about people being in my space or anything like that. And I always felt more comfortable working by myself and kind of, I'm like, I'm a homebody. So just being at home was perfect for me. So then once I realized that, you know, people was actually buying it, I started making a little money off of it. Then I was like, you know what? I'm going to just start doing this, you know, on the side fully instead of doing the tattoos on the side. I mean, mind you, I was still working full time, too. So I couldn't, you know, have too many hustles and, and just take too much of my time up. Yeah, it definitely sounds like you you were on the grind, and a jack of all trades, being able to juggle tattooing, painting and a full time job. So so hats off for you. To yeah, you for appreciate doing that. that. Yeah. Yeah, it was. um. I remember just like first selling my like first painting that was like for like $400 for a painting that I did in a day. And I was like, all right, when that sold, I kind of, that's when you say like the light bulb hit, like I let, you know, this is for real. This is legit. I, I can actually make money off of this. So that's when I started really taking it seriously and started painting full time. And then um, that's when I told you the transition happened where I thought I was painting for about a year. And then I knew like, after that first year, like I wanted to do this full time for real, and I had made plans to start like to quit my job and just paint full time. Yeah, I was actually uh, you went ahead and answered the question, but I was going to ask, what was like your first big piece that you sold or that you remembered? Like, what was the actual painting? I know you said that it sold for about four hundred, but what was the actual piece? Yeah, it was a um, it was a girl with an afro, and it had like a galaxy in the uh inside the afro and that was like my first time trying that it like now looking back at it like it's not as good as what i could do now but that was like the first piece that somebody bought for me for like more than 100 you know like it was like 400 couple couple pieces before that was um i had i did a biggie smalls piece and a guy that i know that i'm still cool with today actually he um he had bought that piece from me and then um another friend of mine had bought a set of paintings that was um, like Obama, Malcolm X and uh, things like that. So when I first had that, that was all within the same time period of like three months. And then once I saw her selling like regularly and it wasn't just like, oh, this is luck or this, you know, 
and people was actually paying a couple hundred dollars for it, I was like, wow, I can't believe, you know, I can make $400 off this painting where tattooing, I can possibly make that same equivalent, but the time I put into it would be that much longer or whatever the case was. Yeah, that's that's dope. I, I remember those early on paintings, like you said. I, I'm pretty sure I, I double tapped that uh, image when you posted. <laughs> yeah, man, I was I was grinding then, just like off a of little small canvases. With I couldn't afford to buy that much artwork. I, I mean, like supplies. So I ain't had that much paint. I had like super cheap brushes, and I was just doing whatever I could do to like you know just make a dollar. Really, that's that's what it came down to. I mean. Not to say that the money was the only reason, because, you know, I always loved art, but I always knew, like, if I could make money off of art, that would be better than doing anything else for me. Gotcha. Um, I was going to ask, how did you go about building your brand on social media? Because obviously I was there in the early years when you were um, tattooing people, but then when you made that transition, it was like a meteoric rise in your your followers and the people that support you just how did you actually go about building that authentically um really yeah my biggest my biggest supporters are through like instagram i I have a decent following on facebook but really it was just uh over time um luckily like instagram is built through visuals you know that's what people want to see on there and art is like the perfect thing for it because that's all i'm showing is something visually pleasing so it was easy to start kind of gaining followers. It was slow at first, but you just make connections and um, you start getting other art pages to start posting your work or reposting. I was fortunate enough to have some bigger people who had larger followings um, buy art from me and they reposted it. And that's kind of how it just goes for you to continuously grow your following. And then as that happens, you just kind of like really uh, the supporters that you get is crazy. Honestly, like, I would never imagine people, you know, writing me all the time saying I inspire them or different things like that. You know, I would never expected that when I first started, but people really support you. You know, like, you know what they say is like, you're sometimes you got strangers that support you bigger than your family or, you know, people that you know in your whole lives. And that is true to an extent because these people are really like, you know, they'll write you and tell you how, you know, how you inspire them or they'll like buy your work and, always you know telling you that you know to keep pushing yourself so it just kind of built up like that and now it's just um just trying to continue to grow to expand my um expand my brand really yeah um that's 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 dope again um i was gonna ask because it it really sounds like you really trust the process and and you're not willing to kind of speed up your work or, or half step did it ever cross your mind to just like all right, I'm about some followers, so it looks like I'm popping on Instagram. <laughs> Man, look, I've seen so many people do that shit, and um, honestly, I could never, I, I never thought about buying followers or buying likes because it just looks so superficial. Because for exactly. one, yeah, like you can see it. Like if you got fifty thousand followers and but you're only getting you know thirty likes a picture, people gonna know your followers is fake, and then yeah. that make that kind of makes you look fake, you know. And then I feel like you don't get genuine love or genuine following off of that so i always knew i just had to grow it organically and let it take time like it ain't gonna happen overnight you know every now and then you might somebody might go viral and get you know 100k followers in a day but for the most part you know you're not that's not happening to the average person so i feel like growing your following organically and over time is way better than trying to cheat it (laughs) by followers i've seen that happen and i just laugh at it man because it's just crazy that Nowadays, people you know value follower account and like like account you know likes more than the genuine reaction of the people that actually do follow you. You know what I mean? Duga has dropped a lot of gems. His experiences as a tattoo artist allowed him to evolve and grow his network. When you do dope shit or create something people like, word catches on fast, and before you know it. More and more people are requesting your services. One thing I like about Duga is that he's in control of his own destiny and painting the picture to his life. If you're interested in painting your own picture as a writer and publishing your own book, let's connect. Check out the website, LaydenWilliams.com, to figure out how we can get started today. Now back to our convo.
Yeah, exactly. Uh, one of my favorite NBA players, well, he's retired now, but uh, Chris Douglas Roberts, he has the saying, don't cheat the grind. So when I think about like the, the people that want to purchase the bots or purchase the fake likes, and like you said, they have 50,000 followers, then they have 200 likes, and you click on the likes, and it's like people with no followers, no yeah. pictures posted. It's just like some type of bot that's very um, inauthentic. And I mean, that's kind of the world we live in now, but it's good to see someone like yourself that's willing to put the work in and build your brand authentically. Yeah. I mean, I think it's worth it at the end. And um, even I, I feel like social media can't be, I, I love social media in the aspect that it helps my business so much, but uh, I think people overvalue it too much and look at it as a um, means of uh, who they are or, you know, they're, they're established because they have this many followers, you know, and I don't really, cause I get people all the time who have a lot of followers. They might write me and say, can you do a painting for me? And I'll just shout you out if you give it to me for free. And I'm like, look, a uh, <laughs> shout out ain't going to feed my pot. You know, <laughs> I got to, I got to eat, you know? So people, I think put too much value on it. So you have to use it carefully. I think um, with social media and understand what it's useful for and when to get away from it. Yeah. You definitely hinted on one of my questions. I was going to ask since you are, artists and you have a tangible service do you ever have friends or family that hit you up and like yo yo d can you paint this picture of me can you paint this picture of iverson crossing over lebron and then <laughs> just something crazy or 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 willing to kind of reach out and not want to pay the full price because i feel like that's an issue that we definitely run into in our community yeah um i think you get that in any creative space really like if you're creative you're going to get that so sooner or later um Luckily for me, like not too much family members. If I, I had a few family members that asked me, but overall, like they're not expecting a handout. And my friends respect, you know, I think you have to have good friends around you, the ones that respect, you know, your grind because they're probably going through the same thing. And um, if you have friends that understand, you know, entrepreneurial life or at least, you know, that they want to support you the right way, they'll pay, you know, the price for what you do. Um but like I said, like biggest supporters, people who have spent a lot of money and they're the ones who don't really complain or ask you for discounts are complete strangers. You know, they're not they'll just say, oh, what's the price? All right. And they pay you. And that's that's what it is. But um, you can't fall into that trap of like, yeah, that's your family or whatever the case is. But at the end of the day, they got to respect that you have a business and they can't expect a handout from you. Those should be the ones that support you more than anybody else. Definitely. I definitely agree with that. And I know you mentioned um, earlier just some of the projects that you've worked on, obviously um, doing the commission pieces and then some of the notable pieces such as the Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, uh, MJ, recently Kobe. Um, can you kind of hint on some of the other projects that you that you've worked on? Yeah, um, I wouldn't say I mean, I kind of look at my stuff as um it's all within the same thing. So I guess I explained it by like, I always like to do stuff that's focused on uh, black people as far as the beauty and uh, black people or the strength in black people. Um, okay. And a lot of it's particularly with women. Um, Cause I always view it as black women have the hardest here in, in America. And uh, so I always want to uplift black women through my artwork. So I do a lot of stuff focused on, on women and the strength and beauty of them. Um, so you'll see that in my work. And then I just do a lot of black heritage stuff, so black history stuff. And um, that's that's normally where I focus my work at in most of my projects. Um, but I do want to explore going forward and, you know, try different things. So I do abstract paintings and stuff like that as well. But most of my focus is really with, you know, the black culture. Nice. And obviously I'm a fan of your page and I've noticed a lot of your um artwork do you still do commission requests like i know you in, in the past you've done some paintings of couples or families or yeah. portraits that people have submitted yeah I how does that work i do but I, I i don't take them as much um they they're really overwhelming honestly that's kind of like 80 percent of my messages that i get through dms is <laughs> people asking me to uh do a commission and you know I, I like doing them but at the same time you don't get to be it's creative with your art if you're just taking commissions the whole time. Kind of holds you back just to do whatever they want. And I like to explore different things with my artwork. So I don't want to be limited to do, to do commissions the whole time. So I'll take, you know, one or two here and there. Um, I took a few this month. 
since there's uh, all this stuff going on, I got nothing but time really sitting at home. So, um, but I don't like to take them as much. So I may take like one a month, two a month or something like that. Gotcha. Yeah. So if you're out there listening, keep your fingers crossed. Hopefully your uh, commission <laughs> request will, will be uh, completed this month. You never know. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. So um, I was going to ask you, you hinted on it just now saying that your obviously your DMs are flooded with requests. What is it like to kind of run your own shop and have your own business? Shit is crazy, man. <laughs> yeah, running your own business is crazy. Um, I guess it depends on what your business is, too. Um, if you're just doing an e-commerce, maybe it's a little less hectic with um, certain things. But when you have your own business, you don't really realize everything that goes into it until you start. Um, you're you're basically running every position of your company. And uh, so I'm picking up all my materials. I have to do the actual work. I have to advertise my work. I have to respond to, you know, emails, DMs. Um, I, I do a lot of stuff through social media for to get attention. So you want to engage with your audience on social media. So it's important that when they comment something that you reply back to at least as many people as you can, you know, and, then you got to ship out all your work. And I also have a website where I sell prints of my work. So, you know, that you might get, say, 50, 100 um, orders on that a month. Then you got to make sure you take care of that as well. So it's a lot. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's your own thing. You know, you control it and it's yours. So you always feel proud that you're working on something that, that you control yourself and you're able to make money and feed your family, feed yourself off of something that you created. So it's worth it at the end of the day. Yeah. And it definitely always feels better to own. Yeah. So own your own thing outright. Like I just think that's dope. I feel like everyone should strive to just own something. Um, I mean, I understand you have to pay bills and you have to have your nine to five, but you also have that time to carve out just to say, Hey, it, as far as this may be, it is mine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree a hundred percent. Um now I don't I don't think everybody's built for entrepreneurship. Um yeah, I, I think like some people are just happy working, you know, uh, a job where they feel secure making the same money or, you know, advancing their career. And and there's mm -hmm. certain careers that you, you know, you have to work for somebody else. You're a doctor, you might yeah. work for somebody else for a while unless you get your own practice or whatever the case is. So yeah. I'm not Definitely knocking people who are nine to fives or whatever the case is. I mean, however you make your money is how you make it. But at the end of the day, if you did have something like right now, we're going through this crisis of a uh, coronavirus, and it definitely is showing people that hey, I need something else because if my job can let me go any day, how am I going to make any money? You know, a lot of people are struggling with that right now. So it kind of shows you if you had something of your own, you could continue to do. So maybe have a side hustle or something that, you know, you can make an extra couple of dollars with. Yeah, I'm definitely not, uh, I guess, preaching the Dame Dash uh, school of theology about <laughs> um, just being your own boss and never working for anyone yeah. else. But I definitely think we're on the same page and saying that you can always carve out time to just have like your own side hustle. Yeah. And, um, yep. yeah go ahead. and I was going to say that, you know, I feel like this is the perfect opportunity because so many people are, are at home right now you know, with this quarantine, this is the opportunity for you to really start brainstorming and thinking about ideas and ways you can possibly have a little side hustle. So if you do go back to work, you got something on the side, even if it makes you a hundred dollars a month right now, you know, that's, <laughs> that's gas or food, you know, so you can't, I think this is the perfect time to do that. Yeah, I definitely agree. And earlier you mentioned, being obviously a jack of all trades with your business and, and obviously it sounds like you're pretty busy from day in and day out. Have you ever thought about just like, all right, I made enough money doing this. I have my fun, but I just want to go sit at a desk job and, and be comfortable. I don't want to have to worry about all these requests and painting this and sending it out to this person and worrying about if they actually like this piece, like just going back and, and working for a company in a, let's say in a graphic design space or in a marketing department. Yeah. Um, I've thought about it plenty of times. I mean, cause you have your ups and downs with running your own business. It's never going to be smooth sailing. So you might have a week that does you do well. And then the next week where you're struggling. So, I mean, I've contemplated that thought all the time, but then I, I talk to my friends who work jobs or I, and I just think about 
the times I was working and I was like, nah, I can't go back to that. So you just got to remind yourself like what you're doing this for, you know, cause, cause it's worth it at the end of the day. Um, like for me, I hate getting up early. So I, I hate going into work at, you know, eight o'clock in the morning. You know, I work my own schedule. You know, I can take breaks when I want. I can take a vacation when I want, you know, so all of that, you know, I'm like, you know, I can't go back to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely dope to make your own schedule and take your own breaks. And like you said, um, more than that, just having your own thing that you can call your own. Yeah. Um, I was going to, yeah. And obviously we're in this, I call it uh, a timeout. I don't like the term lockdown because that's pessimistic, but with the whole coronavirus and the pandemic, have you thought about like, going live and doing like a live painting i mean you obviously have to follow yeah that would people would tap in and watch have you thought about doing something i like have that? but um i guess the biggest thing for me is that i'm really like i wouldn't say anti-social but i'm, I'm like an introverted person um gotcha. so I, I hate you know i've been getting people asking me to do challenges these like instagram tiktok challenges and stuff but <laughs> you know like where but you know <laughs> i forgot the one that's out now it's like um don't rush or something uh, art version yeah, it's too yeah but i was like you know i'm just not that type of person like i started the youtube page and i haven't even created content in like three four months because i hate being in front of the camera and um doing all of that so as you can see like if you go through my instagram page there's really not any photos of me or photos or videos of me you know doing things um i want to explore that more and i might do a live and try to break that but I'm so comfortable being in my own space and not, you know, show them. I would rather just let my work speak for itself than me talk about it. Um, I don't do that too often, but I think I need to, uh, to break out of that more um, since I'm trying to grow my brand. Gotcha. Speaking of your work, um, letting it speak for yourself, what is the thought process behind creating um, each piece like what is your inspiration or kind of what drives you to create something that's custom and original that's going to st um, stand out for the person that's going to purchase yeah um i guess i go about it you know different ways depending on what i'm trying to do um i i know first and foremost like everything i do is colorful and uh, bright and i want to do that because i just want to reflect like you know the mood um of what i'm painting and like I said, I do a lot of stuff with black women and culture, uh, black culture, and I always wanted to put it out in a positive light. And that's why I do the bright colors to show, you know, that everything that we go through isn't isn't bad. Like we have a lot of good things that is happening throughout black culture. And that's what I want to highlight, because I, I think a lot of times we highlight like anytime, like, say, a, a black movie come out, most time it's about slavery or cops harassing us. You know what I'm saying? Like. It's never about mm -hmm. the normal things that black people really are doing that are positive, like um, a black person opening up their own store or something, you know, something just normal, you know. Yeah. So, like, I just want to always reflect that positive image of us. And um, so I think I do that through my, you know, my imagery and the color, the colors that I use and stuff like that. Nice. Yeah, that's I definitely. um applaud those efforts and I appreciate you obviously looking out for our black women and uplifting them at all times. That's definitely necessary. Oh, that's definitely necessary, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was actually going to ask, how do you find time to balance? Like how does Duga unwind? It obviously sounds like you're, you're very busy and like you say, you are introverted, but when you have some downtime, if ever, like what do you do to kind of just relax? Yeah. Um, half of it is spent watching Netflix. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so what do you want? What are you watching right, uh, uh, right now? now? I'm trying to finish up Ozark. Uh, yeah, okay. I love that show. Um, I watch a lot of documentaries on Netflix or just in general, and and I like to watch a lot of movies, but mostly just like action movies and stuff like that. Um, gotcha. So you are so you are doing a, a Tiger King painting. <laughs> I won't do a Tiger King painting, but that, <laughs> I definitely finished that. We watched that in like a day. That shit was crazy, man. Um, yeah, that was that was wild. That was yeah, wild. Uh, every time you thought it wouldn't get crazier, it got crazier the next episode. But, <laughs> but yeah, I watched that and um, a lot of stuff like that. Um, and a lot of I like to watch a lot of movies. Other than that, uh, I play basketball still. 
Um, not lately, of course, because we can't go nowhere. But okay. I was in a basketball league up here, um, just a little wild league. Uh, and then other than that, really just chill out, you know, um, go visit my friends and stuff like that. But I don't really do much. I kind of stay <laughs> stay to myself. I don't really go out like that. Like, I don't go to clubs or nothing like that. Gotcha. I think it's always good to kind of use that downtime to kind of self-reflect. And whether you're watching a movie or a documentary, sometimes you're, you're able to draw on inspiration. And I was just curious, are there any other artists out there that you kind of look to that you're like, man, what they're doing is dope. Or like, I'm inspired by th- this piece that they painted or, or this um, yeah action or, or this, this movement that they're doing. Like, what are some other dope artists out there? Um. I mean, of course, like you got the notable people that, you know, like Basquiat and stuff that I always followed. Um, Warhol, p- painters like that who kind of like set the standard back, you know, before before us. And even before then, like I like Dolly, more like the surrealism paintings um, back then. Um, now, uh, there's a few artists. There's plenty of artists, actually, that I like that I also follow and admire. But um, one is like King Saladin. He's one of the first people I started following when I started painting. And um Yeah, he's uh he's dope. He was on um I just found out about him on Breakfast Club a few uh, months ago, but he's he's Yeah, yeah, dope. he was on Breakfast Club. Yeah, I've been following him for a few years and his work is crazy. And um the thing is his his story is really what gets me more than anything, is cause he kinda came up, created his name for himself through the art industry, and now he's selling paintings all over the world, you know, and we're talking in China and, you know, Japan and wherever, like he got art everywhere and he's selling it for crazy prices, you know? So like, that's the level that I I aspire to get to. So hopefully, you know, one day I can get to that level, but he's a dope artist. And then a lot of the other artists that I follow that, like that I consider my peers on Instagram, really like, you know, Whitney Austin and uh, Brianna. um, She, her work is dope. It's, so many artists, uh, Art Vandal, I like his work a lot. Um, a bunch of artists that I follow on Instagram that I kind of just like also look up to and also just consider like, like we're all kind of came up together in this art scene through Insta- <laughs> through social media. Yeah, yeah. And I definitely think that this, that is cool that you can kind of big up and shout out um, your peers and even note like people that inspire you. Um, speaking of being inspired, is there any music that you listen to that when you um paint out your pieces or when you're creating these these masterpieces or do you like it silent? Do you like a glass of wine? Like what is the creative process? Oh yeah, I'm like? definitely a music listener or either I'm watching, you know, something on uh, TV or I'm, I'm uh, listening to music, but mostly listening to music. And I had to say, I listen to the rap and everything now, but I usually listen to like 2000s or 90s rap, mostly when I'm um, when I'm painting and stuff. I, I I can't really get into a lot of the new stuff now. You know, I listen to like a few of these artists, but I listen to Wu Tang and Outkast and and uh, rappers like that, um, Dipset, and that's kind of what I grew up on. So that's kind of what I listen to. Nice. Yeah, I think we have the, a similar taste palette. I definitely can. I enjoy some of the newer stuff, but if I'm just like want to zone out or get away, I definitely listen to like some of the older artists. So I definitely appreciate. Yeah, that. it's a different. It's a different uh, feel. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like now everything kind of sounds similar, and um, back then it was more distinct sounds, depending on what you know area you was at, or you know New York rappers versus down south rappers. Now everybody just rap the same. Yeah, I definitely agree. And um, you, you mentioned it before. Uh, obviously, this is what I like to call the quarantine renaissance with people coming up with these creative <laughs> ideas and, and projects during the, during this downtime. What are you working on and what does the future look like for your brand? Yeah, I kind of like that quarantine renaissance thing. Um, that's kind of that's basically what it is, too. Uh, for me, it's just been more of a constant just uh, sticking with what I've been doing now because it's just been going so well um i haven't really put a whole lot of thought into some new ideas i am thinking about doing more uh clothing uh things and um also like you said like live painting and stuff i've been thinking about ways to try to explore that 
and starting to create more content again on my YouTube page. Because I want to eventually start growing my YouTube channel uh, more. I've just been procrastinating on it because I hate being on camera. But um, those are some of my main things. And then before the end of the year, I, I definitely want to do a solo art show or a show with one other art, other one other artist. And um, that's a goal of mine. So I've been trying to plan that out as well. Gotcha. Yeah, definitely sounds like you're you're busy, but you have it mapped out and I will definitely be supporting you along the way. Um, if you have a few extra minutes, I wanted to put you in the hot seat for a second and just ask you five quick questions. Um, you give a quick response and then give me. All right, let's why. get it. All right. Bet. So first one, I know you said you ball. So Iverson or Curry? Iverson. Who's better? Iverson, no doubt. Uh, No, nah, I mean. I, I like Curry's game. I like the way Curry – I would probably play more like Curry because um, the way he shoot. And I'm, I love shooting threes and stuff like that too. So, But, now Iverson was just – man, that boy – like they say, like if Iverson was 6'6", he would have been the best person in the league. And, I, you know, so no doubt about that. Yeah, I think that's a debate I always have with, with my pops. Um, he actually tends to think that Curry is better than Iverson, even though I think Iverson – pretty much revolutionized the game. I kind of look at Curry as a hybrid between Steve Nash, Reggie Miller. And yeah, Austin. I mean, Curry is a whole – Yeah, I think they both revolutionized the game in their own way. But Iverson, even besides the basketball, I mean, he literally changed the league. Like, he changed the league as far as the way yeah. he dressed. And he was the first one getting, you know, tattoos and stuff, you know, everything. And then the way he played the game, too, and on top of that. And he carried some sorry teams, you know, to the to, – yeah. I mean, he carried some sorry teams. Like, Curry's team, he, he, his team wasn't good until it, it became kind of stacked. You know, if Curry yeah. could have carried that, you know, old Golden State team, then it would have been a different story. But, you know, Iverson, you can't even hardly name a person on that team, on that uh, 76ers team besides, like, Eric Snow or somebody. Yeah. Well, I have to shout out George Lynch. He's from uh, Roanoke. He was on that team. But, yeah. <laughs> Other than that, I was like, all right. Like, who was on the Yeah, field? like, I mean, yeah. Um, so, uh, my pick is Iverson, but I could be biased because, like, you know, we grew up, you know, we was watching Iverson and all these players. Yeah. So. Yeah. I guess sticking with the basketball theme, um, but switching to movies, Above the Rim or Juice? Oh, man. Uh, above the Rim or Juice? I got to say Juice. Uh that's one of my favorite, like, uh, I mean, what what would you consider that that whole, like, genre of movies where it was primarily black movies um, during that time period? But uh, I would say Juice. Yeah, I think that's that's actually my all-time favorite movie. So Juice versus anything is always Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so next question, uh, Basquiat or Walmart? Uh, Basquiat, easy. <laughs> easy. Um, Basquiat's my favorite probably my favorite artist of all time. And that's just because he was so different and so unique. And, um, like, everything he did was – it wasn't because he was doing it for fame or money or nothing. It was really just for the art, you know. So I feel like Basquiat, number one to me, over any art, uh, any artist. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, two more. Um, French toast or waffles? <laughs> French toast. That's That's easy. All right, French toast over waffles, French toast over pancakes. <laughs> yeah, any of that. Yeah. <laughs> Got you. All right, so this last one's actually a pretty tough one. Um, G unit. That's dip easy set? too. Dip set all day, man. Come That's on. Easy? Um. Oh man. It ain't even close. That. Besides, besides, uh, Fifty Cent. Who you? Who you even got in G unit? Bro, I know you had a G Unit nah, nah, T-shirt. I know you was walking around with the G <laughs> on. Uh, nah, I never was a big G Unit fan. I, I was a, oh. I, I like Fifty, but I never was a big G Unit fan at all. Like I thought, I thought Lloyd Banks could rap, but um, the rest of them was trash, honestly. <laughs> so, but like with, I oh, mean, I was a big, uh, yeah, I was a big uh, Young Buck. Fan, oh, for real? But, oh no, I felt like, yeah, I was a huge Buck fan. Back nah, I thought Buck was alright, but I mean, I was, I was a huge Cam fan. I, I like. Killer, like Cam was like one of my favorite rappers. He's still one of my favorite rappers. And then I always thought Jewels was hot. You know, Jim's still making good albums now. And then J.R. Ryder and all of them, 40 Cal. Like, I was a huge Dipset fan. So I put Dipset up there with any group almost. 
Yeah, I might, I might have to give it to Dipset because I definitely used to listen to Hell Rail. Like, yeah, Rider, yeah. If writer, you put, if you like, movies, think about all the all the artists they had, everybody was hot. Just about when now you think of G Unit, you know, you really got Fifty, and then Game was on there for a little while. Those probably be the two with Lloyd Banks. They'll be the best rappers in the group. And after that, I mean, who you really got? You ain't got nobody. Yeah, that that is true. Um, I guess I'm one more question I, even though you say you are introverted what's the first thing you're going to do when this uh time oh, man um my wife is begging us to uh take a trip after this is over with so that's one of the first things we're going to do is probably take a vacation if it's safe to go anywhere um other gotcha. than that just really kick it with some friends um maybe do a happy hour or something like that and go back and play basketball again and um that's it really i mean my life hasn't really changed too much since the uh, this whole quarantine because I, I kind of do what I've been doing, just sitting in the house and working. So it hasn't really changed a whole lot. Yeah, it sounds like you've been a social distance uh, vet for, uh, for a <laughs> yeah, minute. Yeah, man, I mean, this is kind of what I do. So, like, I mean, I've been working for myself for three years now, and I, I work from home, so I don't go out anywhere. I'd be forgetting what day of the week it is, you know, I don't cut my hair for my. I just, yeah, I just be stuck. So, yeah. Gotcha. Cool, cool. Um, so last, how can the people get connected with you to cop some pieces or to follow? Your oh yeah, stories? um, my website is a uh, dot com. That's d o o g a a r t dot com, and you can follow me on Instagram at duga under uh, underscore art, or on Facebook. It's uh, Duga Royal, actually. That's my la- my real last name is Royal, R-O-Y-A-L-L. Um, and on Twitter, it's Duga Art as well. And and YouTube, Duga Art. So um, you can follow me on any of those things. And I post mostly on Instagram. That's kind of where my go-to. So if you want to really follow my art, uh, just follow my Instagram. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, definitely take your time to go to his social media, check out some some pieces you will definitely want to cop, whether it's for yourself, for a family member, or for a loved one, you will be impressed. Thanks again for joining the You Should Listen podcast. Yeah, man, I appreciate you having me on here, man. It was fun. Yeah, no doubt. And we'll definitely got to, we got to link up now that you're, now that I'm up here and once this time out is over, we got to, we got to. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, Let me know. I mean, I'll come to New York anytime now since, uh. As soon as this stuff is over with, but stay safe over there. I know you're like in the middle of everything. Yeah, no doubt. I'm just staying low key out the way until until we get the okay. So, but again, yeah, thank man, you, no bro. problem. Appreciate you.